morning we're talking about money. We're talking about treasure. And Jesus, as Dave said, does talk a lot about money. A lot. In fact, on average, one of every seven verses in the first three Gospels has something to do with money. About a third of the Pentecost have some element of money involved in it. 15% of everything Jesus said, everything that was recorded, twice as much as prayer and faith combined, Jesus talked about money. Only the kingdom of God gets more attention. And much of what he talks about in regards to the kingdom of God has to do with money. Today that translates into about 17 tutorship sermons every year. And you guys are getting a break. <laughs> I'm taking a little easy on you. Um, but Jesus had a lot to say about money. And what we're going to do is just uh, walk through this morning, take a look at the things he said, and then evaluate where he's at and our own thinking. And I want you to know that, that I'm not up here as one that has it all now or that there's a perfect gift or anything wrong with his life. This is something that I continue to work on and continue to struggle through and pray about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to take a look at this together. So, uh, if you have your little insert, go ahead and pull that out. And there's a bunch of different verses we're going to be going through. And then a blank next to each of and as we look at each verse or the group of verses, we're going to uh, point out a principle. And I want you to write those principles down in a blank because uh, we're going to do something with them at the end. So that means that you have to take it. Okay, so let's dive in. We're in this uh, series called Demanding. And this morning we're going to be talking about treasure. And Dave came and asked me to preach the verse, uh, the passage he's pointing to, which is Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. And if you want to flip along in your Bible, you can open the Apostle 2. Uh, if it's harder for you to keep up, or if you don't want to, and want to just look at the screen, I put the verses on the screen as well. So either way works. Um, but, uh, Keep up. Alright, so here we go. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God, I just lift up this morning to you, and God, just work in our hearts right now. Make us a little bit comfortable. And know that money is just a subject to talk about. We like to sigh with 
We like to hear about your grace. We like to hear about your goodness. But God, what kind of God, I just pray that you'll speak to your people in your heart for this community. God, you speak to me, but my will is not to be my will, but my will. In Jesus' name, So, no treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. So, first of all, the question is well, where am I putting my treasures? Where am I putting my treasures? One of the best places to go to answer that question. Start looking down at what you pay for, where your money is going, and that will start to reveal a little bit of where you're thinking. What are the things you value? What are the things you're willing to open up your checkbook and write a check for? That's something that really helps. Evaluate and really help look at, okay, what is What's valuable to me? Where are my treasures? Jesus gives two reasons to store up your treasures in heaven. Number one is security. He says, Moth and must do not destroy, and thieves do not break in the street. It's, it's faithful. Now, either Jesus has, like, the vault to end all vaults, or the treasure is different than how we look at it. So, if this treasure is money, then yes, Jesus just has the best vault, and no one can ever break into it. Uh, it's ironclad. Uh, I don't know what kind of thing it looks like. You know, if you've seen it, think about it, it gets worse than that vault. Um, but it's either that or the treasure is just something completely beyond our imagination. And I kind of think it's important for a second. Because he talks about you cannot serve both God and money. So, first of all, it's the idea of security. Second of all, and this is the more important part, it's focus. He says in verse 24, where your treasure is, where your and if you've taken your treasure and decided, you know what, I'm going to store it on the earth. <laughs> I might get that. <laughs> um, if you're going to take your treasure and, and decide to store it on earth, that's where your focus is going to be. I remember uh, one of my first big purchases when I was a little guy. Uh, Saving up, uh, buy things that you wanted. One of the first things that I bought was a pair of Google Books. I saved for a long, long, long time. Bought a couple of Google Books. The only way that you like the, the new thing, you know, they just come out. I remember first thing that they had on my mind. But I was all about getting some Google Books, and I saved up and saved up and saved up. And it, finally, I had enough money to buy these Google Books. So, so I, I went to the store and you know, found a pair that amazingly was big enough for my feet and uh, took these bowler blades and, and brought them back home. And I was very careful about putting them back in the box because they were just a pretty, pretty clean, thick bottle. 
That's just where everything revolves. And I think that's, that's part of why Jesus says this. He says, where you treasure is that your heart is not there. And if you treasure earthly things, that's where your heart's going to be, and that's where your focus is going to be. But if you treasure heavenly things, your focus is going to be on God. And you go through the day, as you go through your life, that's where your focus is going to be. That's where your direction is going to be. So the question then is, what does it mean to store your treasure? First, let me give you the principle of that one. Store your treasure in heaven. Store your treasure in heaven. So the question is, what does that mean to store your treasure in heaven? And for that, we're going to go back to the passage that pre read this morning. That's First Timothy six, seventeen to Because I think this answers so well. What does it mean to Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so much rich, but to put their hope in God, which will provide them with everything they are enjoying. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There is so much in this passage. But in verse 19, this is when he starts talking about treasures in heaven. He says, In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Well, he's talking about heaven. But he says, in this way, they will lay up treasures in heaven. Well, what is the way that we can pull to lay up treasures in heaven? In verse 18, he says, and to be good, to be rich and good deeds, to be generous, and willing. Clearly, it's not about what you have, but it's more about what you do. That matters. That's what laying up treasure is about. It's not about the question, it's about action. Paul here is saying, it is the truth of the people And then we go back to verse 17. Man, those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, and to put their hope in God. But to put their hope in God. Richly provided with everything that they have. Hope in God. I've been 
because he gave me until I had a hundred and six. And the king will be trusted. And he ends up taking it away and saying, at least put it in fact. And he got it. And he takes it away and, and gives it from the will. Why? Because the guy is in I think about the bank that he took it from. Hopefully, your bank is trusted. If your bank wasn't trusted, your money wouldn't be there. Partly because maybe they didn't get rid of it, but partly because you say, no, I'm not going to get my money. Because he is not trusted. But if you find a bank where you know you, you put some money in and the return is actually pretty good, you're going to be inclined to want to put some money in there. And more than that, because you know, this is a trusted this is a, a place that my, my money is, is well cared for. And wants us to be trustworthy with what he's given us. He's not just giving us a bunch. He's giving us his, giving it to us. He's using it. He's using it with us. But ultimately, that's just what else So as you spend every dollar realizing it's you, King will say to those on the bread, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And you clothed, and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Invite to answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and drink? When did we see you stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and prison and go to visit you? Whatever you did, we're going to have to do something. I've been really convicted about this recently. I was on YouTube and I watched this video. And uh, this, this guy that I just did not And on the video, Thank you. 
can tell the guy who will offer it and hold out his passion and his and at the end it says, if you give, it's And then this book, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm definitely more in it, inclined to give the answer to the other. Um, the work and the action and the other. The reality of it is that the This is the end of the business. I really like it. So, the good man is the advanced cause of righteousness. The evil man is the one that is good. But your money is the advanced cause of righteousness. As you set out to, to, to take your funds and use them and decide, okay, what? Many rich people, 
a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. There was only a fraction of the coins. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their love, but she, out of the poverty, did everything. All she had to live on. Yes, sacrificial. Now, this may be very hard for some of you. If God has blessed you financially, this, this may be a challenge. They look at the finances and go, man, it's been taken a lot. It's been a lot of giving us in the time to give it. It's not official. Brothers, we just did it. I'm here to ask. And this is the thing. It's not official. But what giving sacrificially does is it requires the lines in the back. And as the passage of the church that we talked about, and as Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, we need to trust God. We need to rely on Him. It says in Matthew 6, do not worry about the If God takes care of the lilies of the field, if God takes care of the spirit, don't you think He's going to take care of you? Don't you think He knows what you need and is going to provide for you? Really and I have definitely been just sickened by times I haven't given sacrificially. So I knew I could have given given more. I knew I should have given more, and I didn't. And then times that I have decided, yes, I am going to give that extra. And he's seen that book. He is awesome. He is a good person. If we're not getting past the truth, If you haven't been flipping along, I want you to go to the back. Second chapter 1. We're going to camp out here. There's two things I want to talk about. Second Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Again, this is another very common, commonly taught passage that we're talking about right here. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. And whoever sows generously also reaps generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves cheerful givers. Yes, cheerful. Cheerful. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. One of my friends, he and I were swapping dad gift stories. He was telling me about his, his aunt and uncle. And 
he's interacting with these families to talk about the truth he's trying to do. So that's the thing about the But he told everyone to trust God to give a million dollars to God's 
he was one of those guys that wasn't quite sure how he got invited to the Afterwards, he went up to Dr. Knight and said, That was a great message. I really appreciate your challenge. But if I heard you, are you telling everyone to give at least a million dollars to God? Yeah, that's right. That might be fine for people around me, but not me. Dr. Knight says, How much money did you make last year? He said, I made fifty thousand dollars. How much did you give last year? I gave fifteen thousand dollars. That's pretty good. Fifteen thousand on a fifty thousand discount. Next year, why don't you trust God that you'll give fifty thousand dollars to the Lord? That's my whole salary. If God doesn't provide it, then don't worry about it. But if He provides it, He talked to his wife and they prayed about it. He had a little business, two or three employees, which was a little machine shop. They decided that next year, by faith, God gave them extra income. That year came by and the little business did all right. By the end of the year, they were very excited that they gave $50,000. Their salary was still $50,000. They didn't change their salary. But the business did well enough that they just took the extra money coming in and they gave $50,000. The next year, they decided they were going to give double it. And if the Lord provided that, they were going to give $100,000. They were going to keep their salary the same. And if the Lord provided it possible, they're going to get hundred thousand. The year went along and it wasn't as good of a year. Things were a little tough. And they kind of gave off and off throughout the year. And as they got to the end of the year, he went and met with his accountant and said, How am I doing on the hundred thousand first promise that we accepted our gift? The accountant said, Well, you gave fifty two thousand and you've got about forty eight thousand left in the checkbook. He thought, Oh, there's no way we can do that. I have a tough tax club. There's just no way we can do that. So he goes home and his wife says, How are we doing with giving that retirement? He said, We're not going to take it this year. We gave it to the She said, Isn't there some money left in the checkbook? He said, There is, but to give $100,000, we have to empty the checkbook. We have to give it all away, and I don't want to do that. Who gives it? He looked at him and said, We have enough money to write a check and have to give $100,000. He said, We do. We don't want to do that. He said, Am I a signer on that checkbook? Are you going to write the check or am I? You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. I want us to give a hundred thousand to you. So together they prayed about it. We talked about it. They took their little bit of a check. By God's amazing grace, the next couple of weeks, and things happened, the cash flow was okay. They gave two more. And the next year, they gave more. In six years, they gave over $40,000 last year. Do you hear that? He made this money. Before, when he had extra money, he had shopping in his house. Now, when he had extra money, he had shopping in his house. Sometimes, God increases you. Where is my gift? I don't know about you, but this just excites me. Regardless of your income, I'm not wanting to. 
So where can I give? Give space number one. And this is going to sound a little weird. How many of you up here? Place number one. Place number one to give. Number one. I like how somebody said, treat your church like a home, not like a home. At a hotel, you show up and you pay as little as possible. You give as little as possible. You take as much as you can. Sometimes the coffee makers, the hair dryers. Um, you leave the place a mess for somebody else to clean up. And some people treat church that way. But church should not be treated like a hotel. It should be treated like a home. A place that you put money into, you invest in. You clean up. You take care of it. And that's what a church should do. Not up to the top. So that's what you want to get. Okay. Yes, you have <laughs> 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 Number two. Uh, a place to give is the local church members. People sitting in this congregation that you know are deterring financially, that you know are trying to do something in the name of God. Uh, Lizzie Dana, the Iver, loves that. She is not even in here right now. She's helping out with the Iver. She's going to Japan for something. She's trying to raise money. She doesn't think uh, in your voice that there's a thing about a dinner that she's having a fundraiser. Go see her after church and sign up for that. Help her raise, help her raise money for her trip. But um, I mean, if you just want to write a text on her, then it's very well. I'm sure that it is. She's, uh, she's going to build a church in the time of the Jehovah. We've got two Mexico trips coming up this summer. And we, we all know that he's been down to Mexico and he's done the last one. And he's not able to go on that trip, but he didn't want to be a part of it. That is a huge part of everything. Absolutely a huge part. It's people that that God has blessed the best money to increase the standard of giving and be able to support the people that have the time and are able to get down to the city. We did that. We've also got a lot of kids that want to bring to the next year. That's our summer session. We did that as well. Right at that drop in, we don't have Here's the first thing I talked about a little bit before. Give to someone who's actually bad. Give to someone who's bad. Give to someone that you don't like. Man, I've seen what you've done. There's that personal connection, that personal bond that just makes giving just that much more awesome. It really does. I love giving to missionaries that I know. That I love. Because then they send me to him and he gave in it and he was able to do this. To see this. Glenn Miller is one of those great people. He constantly talks about how people give to him and he takes his 
So I promised to do something with the shoe at the end. And here's what I want you to do. Hopefully you've got all these filled in. Take a look over here. And a circle one of And maybe even more of the way